Aristea Goes Everywhere, Episode 4, Belgrade. Every night when Aristea went to bed, her mother or her grandmother or her auntie would tell her stories of places and people all over the world. And every night, Aristea would dream of great people and breathtaking places. In the morning when she awoke, Aristea would continue to think about the stories and her dreams. Aristea thought she must be a princess, and she had been trying to figure out for quite a long time all the things that a princess must do. So far, she had discovered that while there were a great many things a princess should do, there were also many things a princess could do. But since Aristea was trying to become the best princess she could possibly be, she had decided to be as well-rounded a princess as possible. She knew that princesses should be brave even if they were afraid, and that they should also be smart so that they could figure out very distressing situations. Aristea had also learned that a princess should be ready to do anything to save their families. She was beginning to understand that being a princess meant doing a lot more hard things than fun things, something which her mother, Antonella, confirmed when Aristea was discussing princesses with her one day on the way home from school. Princesses have a duty to something more than themselves, and that is a very hard thing to manage, Antonella told her. Fairy tales seem very glamorous with beautiful dresses and dancing and meeting lots of people, but a lot of those dresses are very uncomfortable, and they mean that the princess can't eat the delicious food at parties. Some of those people can be quite rude, and sometimes a princess would like nothing better than to stay home and watch TV, but people are expecting her, and she cannot let them down. Being a princess is really nothing like they show it in the baby stories, Aristea said. And it's certainly not like the photos on Instagram, Antonella replied. Aristea was discussing princesses with her auntie Vukica in Serbia one day, and Vukica surprised her with an idea. If you are learning how to be a princess, I think you should learn about Princess Ljubica, Vukica said. Ljubica was brave but also sometimes she was too much. She did many things that princesses do not do in the stories, but she was one of the greatest princesses Serbia ever had. Oh, I would love to hear about her, Aristea replied. And we should go to a very special church in Belgrade as well, Vukica told her. It is called Ružica Church, and there's no other church like it anywhere in the world. Aristea was excited to be going to another place and learning about another interesting princess, and she was prepared for her trip to Belgrade with her auntie. She knew that, since they were going to a church, she would need to dress respectfully. So she chose her prettiest sweater that had flowers on it and sleeves that went past her elbows. As Aristea, Antonella, and Vukica drove to Belgrade, Vukica started to tell the story of Princess Ljubica which took place more than 200 years ago. Ljubica was born in the late 1700s, and at that time Serbia was ruled by the Ottoman Empire. Because of this, there was no royal family in Serbia at that time. So Ljubica was not actually born a princess. 
But there were many in Serbia who resented Ottoman rule and they began to fight to get out from under it. Her godfather was a man named Karadjorje, who was a leader of the independence movement, and they were very close. But there was another family who was powerful in the fight for independence, and the half-brother of the leader of the Obrenovic family began to take an interest in her during the first Serbian uprising in 1804. Miloš, who would later call himself Miloš Obrenovic, noticed Ljubica while she was cleaning clothing in a stream with her mother. I sat there for an hour only to endure watching Ljubica, Miloš said. She was beautiful, like a miracle. Aristea broke in. What did Ljubica look like? Here, Vukica paused for a moment and made a bit of a face. Well, the standard of beauty in Serbia then wasn't the same as it is now. We have many paintings of Ljubica, and it seems she had a square face, dark hair and eyes, a bit of a mustache, and also her two eyebrows looked very much like one eyebrow. Aristea was shocked. A princess with a mustache? The eyebrows didn't surprise her, however, because she had been studying art, which was something princesses should definitely know about, and had discovered the work of Frida Kahlo, who also only had one eyebrow, but was still quite lovely and unusual looking. Vukica continued, And because at this time Serbia had been under the Ottomans for several hundred years, Ljubica was the most comfortable in clothing that looked very like Turkish clothing, although more and more of Serbia was turning toward Europe. Ljubica's children dressed in European clothing, for example. But we haven't gotten to her children yet, Aristea reminded her auntie, who said yes, yes, and patted her knee before continuing on with the story. Ljubica's father did not approve of Miloš. He probably saw something that Ljubica in love didn't. And so the two could not marry until 40 days after her father's death. At the wedding, her godfather, Karadjorje, stood as Miloš's best man. The Serbian uprisings were in full swing when the two were married, and Ljubica did not hesitate to jump in and do whatever was necessary to help the cause. At one point, when the men fighting the Ottomans were dispirited and ready to give up, Ljubica took up arms herself, gathered the women, and yelled, Women, gird your aprons! We women have to go and fight! And then, when the first Serbian uprising collapsed, Ljubica refused to leave her country for safety. I will not leave my homeland alive, and dogs can eat me when I'm dead, she defiantly said. Aristea was surprised. That's really a terrible picture in my head. Did she have to put it that way? Antonella squeezed Aristea's hand. You know how the writers and poets in Serbia are. Things must be as dramatic as possible. Vukica was a little disturbed. To be fair, they were quite dramatic times. Aristea nodded, but she didn't think that they were any more dramatic times than the Nazis that Queen Elena had lived bravely through. She didn't say that, though. Everyone was entitled to have a favorite princess, even if it wasn't the princess she liked the most. It was these uprisings when Princess Ljubica began to carry two pistols everywhere in her belt, Vukica said, and that proved to be the thing that caused the most danger to Ljubica's life. A princess carrying pistols everywhere? 
Aristea was aghast. She had no idea that princesses were allowed to fight so directly. Those pistols were the ruination of Ljubica's happy life, her auntie said sadly. Milos was a terrible husband, and he visited many women besides his wife. One in particular, named Petria, began to think she was more important than the princess Ljubica herself. The two had an argument, and Petria yelled at Ljubica, and Ljubica lost her temper. She pulled out one of her pistols and shot Petria, who died on the spot. I was hoping Princess Ljubica would have a life with fewer tragedies, Aristea said sadly, and she made that tragedy herself. Well, her mother Antonella said, think about it this way. How can a princess be a good princess or good queen if only nice things ever happen to them? They would never understand the difficulties that regular people face because everyone's lives have tragedies. That is true, Aristea said, but I just feel so terrible that these people went through such horrible things. I want them to be happy. That's what makes you a good person, Antonella told Aristea. Aristea was very glad she was not a grown-up yet because she certainly did not want to have to choose between bad and worse. But she thought that after a few more years of having fun and learning, she might be ready to give being a grown-up a try. Vukitsa continued, Ljubica knew that Milos would be very angry and may kill her, so she ran and ran and ran. But Milos didn't know yet that Ljubica was pregnant, so eventually she returned just before her baby was born and kneeled in front of him, putting her guns at his feet. Here are the guns, she said. Kill me or forgive me. And Milos forgave her just in time for Ljubica to have a baby boy. But it did not stop Milos's bad behavior as a husband. And another time Ljubica was beaten for hiding under a bridge to try to ambush yet another mistress. Ljubica really had a temper, Aristea said. She had a terrible temper, Vukica said but she also had a very huge heart. Milos did many things that were quite awful. For instance, he became the prince in Serbia after the uprisings because he had Ljubica's beloved godfather, Karadjorje, killed. And still, Ljubica remained with her husband. He was also a very strict ruler who angered many people, Antonella added. Yes, Vukica replied, so much so that in 1839 he was forced to give his throne to his son and leave Serbia. But Ljubica remained behind and continued to advocate for Milos to be allowed to return home. It sounds like everything Ljubica did was big, love, and hate, Aristea said. I think that's a good way to describe it, Antonella assured her, but we are almost to Kalamegdan and so we need to finish the story. In 1842, the Karadjordjevich family, who was descended from Ljubica's murdered godfather, were placed back on the Serbian throne, and the Obrenovich family were forced to leave Serbia. Ljubica, fighting for her family, was the last to leave the country. She went to Novi Sad, which you'll remember was then a part of Austria, and then the woman who had inspired soldiers, confronted mistresses, raised children, and constantly challenged her husband, died of a broken heart within the year. She died of loyalty, Aristea said. I think that's how we could describe it, 
her auntie responded. She was very loyal to the very end. Aristea sighed at the sad ending to Princess Ljubica's story, but she was also glad to know that Ljubica had a very good big life before that. She had been brave, she had loved very deeply, and she had fought for what she believed in without demanding luxuries others had to live without. Aristea thought that Ljubica was a very good example of a princess indeed. And now, Antonella said, we are here. They had parked a bit away from Kalamegdan Fortress, where Ruzica Church was located. Aristea was in awe on the walk-in. The fortress was huge and was exactly like the castles in stories. There were towers and walkways, and the stones were all a bright white that she thought must gleam on the most sunny days and hurt the eyes of anyone who passed the fortress in a boat. Ruzica Church was hard to find, but her auntie Vukitsa knew exactly where to go, and they soon went straight in. It took a while for Aristea's eyes to adjust to the darkness inside the church, but after initially thinking that it was much smaller than she had expected, she gasped. Look at the chandeliers, she said, her hands over her mouth in awe. Her auntie Vukitsa patted her hand proudly. These chandeliers were made by the very soldiers who fought in World War I. There are hundreds of shell casings that were fastened by the soldiers into candle holders, and they hang here proudly, a memorial to themselves fashioned by those who lost their lives. There's one more thing you should notice, Antonella said. They walked around and looked at all the beautiful frescoes that decorated the church before they reached one corner. Antonella pointed. Do you recognize anything there? She asked. Aristea shook her head. She looked very hard, and she was wearing her glasses, but she didn't see anything she recognized. This church was built by King Alexander of Serbia in the 1920s, and if you'll remember from the story about Princess Yelena, Alexander loved the Russian imperial family, so much so that he had the murdered Tsar of Russia painted into the church frescoes. That peasant there is Tsar Nicholas II, and so now he will always be remembered here in this place in Serbia. Aristea was quite overwhelmed. She loved hearing stories about history and princesses because she wanted to know how a princess should behave, but also because she wanted to make sure that she never forgot the important things from the past. Even though the Tsar had been murdered terribly, someone loved him enough to make sure that he would not be forgotten. She hoped that she would be able to make sure that people would not be forgotten someday as well. The rest of the day passed in a blur. Aristea, her mother, and her auntie walked along Nyez Mihailo Street and saw the fancy shops. They ate a late lunch at a very fancy restaurant, and they enjoyed the lovely fall weather. When it was time to go back to her uncle's house in Novisad, Aristea was very tired but she was also thinking about how important it was for a princess to be loyal, even if she hoped that she wouldn't have a mustache to deal with.